So as we look at this series, as we sort of begin this book of James, this new series, looking at how distinctively we can be living for Jesus, there were three things that really jumped out to me about the book of James and why I think this is a really great and poignant book for us to be looking at at this time. The first was a time like this, the second a community like this, and the third a relationship like this. So thinking about a time like this, I'm not sure whether anything really stood out to you when we heard that little snippet uh, read by Tim Bonner uh, just now about the start of the book of James, that sort of like taste of first verse that he read to you, or whether it just felt like, oh, that's great, that's just a nice introduction. But if you notice, this book begins quite differently to a lot of the other letter books that are found in the New Testament. So kind of right in the lead up to James, there's quite a few different books, uh, which are letters that have been written to either a certain church or a certain leader, to either encourage them in their leadership or to speak to a certain church and to address some of the things that are going on. So we kind of have 1 and 2 Corinthians looking at the church in Corinth and saying, how can they be speaking to what they're facing? There are letters to Timothy to encourage him in his leadership. Lots of different letters which really help us now in our journey with God, but were written to specific churches or people. But here we read something different at the beginning of James, where it says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So these were the 12 tribes of Israel who had now found faith in Jesus and who had been scattered across the nation. They were no longer in familiar territory. They were no longer together for different reasons, had been scattered throughout lots of different places. And one of the reasons that that was happening was because in history, this was a time of real social, economic, and political tension. This was a time where the gap between the poor and the rich was getting wider and wider. The Romans had come in, and they'd really heavily reduced the territory of lots of the farmers. The rich were putting higher taxes upon those who they rented their land out to. People were struggling. They didn't have money. People were struggling. They couldn't feed their families. People were struggling because there was political unrest. And just as a side note, in the lead up to kind of the big war that happened, Rome managed to get through three emperors in the course of one year, which was quite relevant to us today, maybe. Although I think they actually killed them quite gruesomely, so not that relevant. Um, But this wasn't an easy time. And not only had people who were in the 12 tribes of Jerusalem found faith in Jesus, were now afraid of persecution, but they were scattered because of all these other reasons as well. This was a time in history that was leading up to a few years later when the Great War happened and the temple at Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman armies. It wasn't an easy time. It was a time of unrest and a time when communities weren't together in the way that they had been. And so James writes to these communities and he writes to these people of faith and he says, even though you've been scattered, even though you are not in easy territory, even though this is not a familiar time for you or a familiar place for you, actually let's look at the truth of how Jesus can help us at this time. How together we can still journey together as a community, knowing that Jesus is there with us and for us. Some of that resonates with us today the place that we find ourselves in society. For many, this is not an easy time. People going into the new year afraid, not being able to pay the bills or buy the food. People scattered in unfamiliar territories that maybe they haven't been in before. 
There is so much of what the people that James was writing to that can resonate with us today. And so secondly, the reason I think this book is such an important book for us is because of a community like this. Because although this was written to 12 different tribes, people who were scattered and throughout the nations, actually they were still one community with Jesus at the center. And so James writes to them to say, even though we may not be together, actually we are still a community. And there are still things that we can journey and we can learn and we can walk through together with Jesus at the center. At the heart of the book of James is a wonderful community ethic It's a book that is written about how we treat other people in the ways that we act, in the things that we say to them. It's a book which talks about who matters most. Where do we put our value on people? How do we treat those who are coming into our friendship groups, into our families, into our church? How can we show Jesus to people? It's a book that talks about confession, which maybe isn't always that kind of a popular thing to talk about. But it's a book that says, do you know what, come on. If we can talk about the things we're struggling with, we can help each other in those things, being community together. It's a book that talks about praying for one another and the privilege of being a community and praying for one another. Even though it was a scattered community, they together were able to learn a new depth of understanding about the truths of Jesus. James knew that being in community was one of the most important ways that we can grow in our faith. It's the reason that we gather to to do church together on a Sunday morning. It's the reason that we gather together in groups And some of the things that I find slightly tricky is when I hear people say, well, I don't need to come to church because I meet with my friends. That's great if you've got friends to meet with. But that's the heart of the gospel, that this is for everybody. That we come together on a Sunday morning because we need one another. We need the people who are our best friends who we get on with. We need the people that we don't get on with to help us grow and learn. We need to be there for the people who maybe don't have others to go to. We are family and we are community together. This is about us journeying together. All sorts of people from all sorts of life coming and asking questions. And people will have different questions depending on your background or where you're from or how long you've had faith. And that's brilliant because we learn from one another. We grow with one another. I don't know uh, if you're allowed to have favorite books of the Bible or not, but if, uh, if you are, then I, uh, at the moment, am really loving the book of Luke. Luke is one of the stories of the life of Jesus found near the, the front of the New Testament. And what I love about the book of Luke is what happens at the end after Jesus has been resurrected. So we read of Jesus uh, dying on a cross, being crucified. He is buried, and then three days later, he rises again, never to die again. He rises, he defeats the grave, he comes back to life for every single one of us. And I don't know how familiar you are with what happens after the resurrection in the book of Luke, but there are two stories in the book of Luke about Jesus after the resurrection. Two times that we read of in the book of Luke that Jesus comes and meets with people. One is on the road to Emmaus where there are a group of people traveling and Jesus comes and he meets with them. And the other one is when he goes and meets with some of his disciples 
Both of those stories, the revelation of Jesus and the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead and is alive again comes to both of those groups of people when they are in a group and when Jesus shares food with them. They break bread and they have fish. Both of those accounts. The revelation of Jesus happened in community. Now, there are other stories in the other Gospels where Jesus meets people one-on-one. So please don't hear, great, I don't have to do any time with God on my own. You know, that's we get to know our friends by spending time one-on-one with them. But I love, in the book of Luke, that sense of the revelation of Jesus comes through us together in community. They ate food together, and it says their eyes were opened, and they suddenly went, Jesus has risen from the dead. All of those things that were written from this start of the Bible right until this point, all of those promises, all of those things that said one day a saviour who would come, who would save his people, who would love his people, who would give them a way back to God, has come true. That revelation came in a group of people. So let's together, as we journey through the book of James, journey as a group, as a family, For those who are here this morning who have never even come to know Jesus before, brilliant, you're going to have some brilliant questions which are going to challenge some of us who have been known Jesus for a while and are going to make us think, but let's do it together, deepening together in our relationship with Jesus. Which leads us on to the final thing that I think is so important about this book of James, the relationship like this. The relationship that I believe that each one of us hopefully will deepen as we go through this book together and make our distinct faith even more known. If you notice, uh, right at the beginning of James, the book opens, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the other reading that we had this morning that Tim gave to us was from the book of Matthew, where it says that James was a brother of Jesus. So James was, uh, had lived with Jesus, he had grown up with Jesus, he had been part of Jesus' life from very young, he was his brother. Uh, that's very, very much kind of thought of uh, who the author of this book was. Now, I don't know about you, but if I really challenged myself and thought if I was writing this book, and I knew that lots of other people were writing letters and they were teaching and they were trying to help people deepen in their faith, I might have been a little bit tempted to write, Sarah, the brother of Jesus comes to you. Because that would have been really easy to do. To say, do you know what, guys? I've got something really important to say, and I want to let you know that I am the brother of Jesus. I've grown up with him. Listen to me. I've got something important to say. But that isn't how James introduces himself. He introduces himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew that his identity primarily, first and foremost, was about his relationship with God. That he was a child of God. That he was loved And that that was what his worth and his value came from. He didn't have to try and persuade people, hang on, I've got some credentials here because I'm Jesus' brother. He knew that there was something greater going on here. The other quote that I found when I was reading about James that I loved so much and massively stood out to me was a quote by the theologian Scott McKnight. And he wrote, No book after the four Gospels sounds more like Jesus than James. The ability to sound like Jesus without quoting him reveals that this younger brother of Jesus had so absorbed his Messiah's teachings that he could not talk without sounding like Jesus. I love that. That James knew Jesus so well. They had grown up together. 
He had absorbed who Jesus was. He had absorbed the things that Jesus wanted to say to people. And so often, uh, I think, you know, even as... um, We heard in the testimony this morning, people who haven't yet found a relationship with Jesus can look at the Christian faith and go, oh, it's a list of rules. These are people who have to do this, they have to do that, they can't do that, and they definitely can't do that, and then they can be Christians. Or maybe for some of us who do have a faith in Jesus, we actually are in the midst of this faith going, oh, but I'm just not good enough, and I haven't done this, and I wish I could be more like that, and then I really would be a good Christian. The book of James releases all of that from all of us. Because James is not saying it is about what you do or you don't do, you shouldn't do, you can't do. It's not about whether you're good enough or whether you should be good enough. It's simply about someone who just walked with Jesus and naturally and beautifully absorbed Jesus and the things that he was saying into his own life. I don't know how you say certain words in your household. I say the word grass, path, and girl. Sometimes people don't know what that last word is. It's the opposite of boy. It's because I'm slightly cockney. So then I was like, what are you saying? Girl. I don't have to think about saying it like that. I say those words because I grew up in the kind of southeast of England, just kind of under London. And that's how everyone spoke. I I absorbed that accent because of my teachers, because of my friends, because of my family around me. I don't have to purposely think grass. It's just what comes out of my mouth. My children, not all of them, but two of them, say path, grass. I don't know what they say for girl, because they probably don't understand what I'm saying when I say it. But it took me a little while to be like, hang on, no, it's not path and grass, it's path and grass. I thought, actually, that's what nonsense. Because my children are growing up in Birmingham where we say path and grass. They don't think about it. That's not what they have to purposely in their heads go, oh, this is how I say those words. They've just absorbed it because that's what they get taught in school, because that's what they hear their friends saying. It's a natural part of who they are because of what they hear. Over the Christmas holidays, a couple of times, one of my children said to me, can you just get a grip? It's not what you want to hear your child say to you. And I was like, oh, no, I cannot get a grip and go self-righteous. And then a few days later, two of them were arguing, and I found myself storming in and going, can you just get a grip? I was like, wow, what a parenting win, go me. But actually, it's because my children are hearing the things that I'm saying. It's a slight terrifying reminder of not saying things like get a grip to your children. But it's not, they're not thinking about it. They're not reading a book and going, oh, I must suddenly learn to say this. It's absorbed into them because they're hearing it, because they're living it, because they're breathing it every single day. And the truth for each one of us today, as we think about our relationship with Jesus, as we think about this term ahead, and we think about the things that Jesus wants to do in our lives is that Jesus is the only person to have come out of the grave never to die again. The only person. There is nothing that you did to make that happen. He did that. And as Jesus came out of the grave, the only person who has ever come out at a beaten death never to die again, he rose from the grave and he pulled you up with him. And he said, I have your hand and I have your hand and I will pull you up with me because I love you. There is nothing that you can do to make me love you more. There is nothing that you can do to make me love you less. I simply love you. 
I was uh, away last week, and uh, one of the things that I was uh, at was at a worship time, and it was one of those times where um, people at the front had kind of called for prayers of response, and nothing really had kind of been appropriate for me, and lots of people had gone up. And I was kind of there just praying on my own, and I felt God give me a picture. And it was of a house plant in a pot, and it looked really withered, and kind of bits of it were dying or a bit limp, and it just didn't look very healthy. And in the middle, there was a new root, that was, a new shoot that was coming up that was green and flourishing. And I was looking at that picture, and I really felt God saying, Sarah, this is a picture for you. And do you know what I did? I focused on all of the bits that were dying and all of the bits that didn't look right. And I thought, oh, God, I'm just going into this year, and there's so much that I don't know about you. So much I haven't got right. So much that I'm just feeling like, oh, I've got to sort this out in my life. And God said, stop. Just stop and look at that fresh shoot coming up. That is what I want you to look at. I want you to look at this new revelation of Jesus that I want to give to you. This new revelation of who Jesus is and what a relationship with Jesus can be for you. And what I simply felt God saying, and this is a, such a simple thing, and it's one of those things where you think, oh my goodness, why have I not really grasped this before? Was I suddenly just had this revelation, because I think I've always struggled a bit with, great that I've got a relationship with Jesus, great that he overcame the grave, and I get that I get to go to be with him in eternity forever. But the thing I've always slightly wrestled with is, but what about being a child of God now? God, how does that really, really, really impact me right now? And I suddenly just had that moment of revelation, like when the people on the road to Emmaus broke bread with Jesus and went, oh, Jesus. Was God simply saying, if every single person in this world really, really knew that their identity was found as a child of God, that would change this world. Because those people who have hurt me, their hurt would be gone. Those people who annoy me and rub me up the wrong way, actually, I would look at them and say, you're a child of God. I don't feel annoyance. I might not agree with you, but I'm not going to carry anger. I'm not going to carry annoyance. I'm not going to carry jealousy. I'm not going to carry all of the things that stop me from living in the freedom that God wants me to know now. And that's what that new green shoot was. And I feel like a different person now. It was a, it's a, little, it was a little moment, but it was a massive moment. And that, as we go into this year, is my prayer for every single one of us, is that as we journey through this book of James, as we absorb Jesus into our lives, as we learn more of what it is to have a relationship with Jesus, we would not be the same as we are today that we will be by the time we get to the end of this series. That we would know more of Jesus in our lives and what that means for us now. And for those of us who are here or doing church at home this morning who don't yet know Jesus, my prayer for you is that this would be an incredible journey ahead where you would learn that truth. You were a child. You are a child of God who it was worth going to the grave for, that it was worth someone going and dying, and that they pulled you up as they rose again because they love you so much. We're going to go into a time of response now, if I could invite the band back up. And we're going to do two things. Simply, as we begin, I'm just going to pray for us all. And if you don't want to join in, that's completely fine. But if you do, then just for us to recommit ourselves to say, we all want to know what that new shoe is. 
that this year would be a year where we rediscover what it really is to have a significantly life-impacting relationship with Jesus. Not just, a, oh, I turn up to church because that's what I do on a Sunday, or I'm just really tired of church meetings, or oh, I'm just going to watch it at home today because I don't want to get out of bed. Actually, what it means to have a life-changing relationship with Jesus that means we will not be the same, that means we will see people differently, we will see ourselves differently differently. 